So today's reading is from Luke chapter 9, verse 57, through to chapter 10, verse 12. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Let the the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse. No bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is said before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet We wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's so great for us to be here worshipping with you guys. And as James said, it is our joy and privilege for Patrick and I to be leading uh, the Washington congregations, which uh, we absolutely love. But uh, one of my other roles is that I'm head of newcomers. And uh, as James said, uh, we have got two newcomer lunches coming up on the 8th and 15th of October in here in Ashington Church. So if you are new to the church, or I think as James also said, even if you've been journeying with us for a while and haven't come to one of our newcomers events, do come along. So it's a series of two, and um, we will uh, uh, be having lunch together in here, and a lot of members of the team will be there. James will be speaking on the the first one on the 8th, really giving the sort of story of uh, where we've come from, and with vision and values, where we're going, and then we'll be having other members of the team, Andy, who heads up youth, 
uh, Holly heading up Kids Church. Uh, also, uh, both our church wardens will be coming along. We've got KFC members and we've got some uh, members of the office team coming. And so there's an opportunity to ask lots of questions and just hear about what is going on. So do um, come along if you'd like to. You can um, sign up uh, if you see some of the team at the uh, little blue tent at the back or go online and there's a there's a little section on the front page of the website which says new to chanctonbury and you can sign up through that um, so we would love to see you uh, if you can come so let's have a look at uh, these two amazing uh, passages isn't it interesting as we go through luke's gospel um, that uh, and we just in case you don't know this, uh, we are doing exactly the same at Washington, and they are up at Bunkton as well. So we're all on the same page looking at these um, passages of Scripture together. And as Patrick and I have gone through, we're like, oh my goodness, there is so much in here. So Patrick and I are going to do a little double act, um, and I'm just going to look at uh, with you this sort of first bit, because there are two uh, stories um, which uh, speak to us here. And the first are of Jesus' call to follow him. And then he sends us. And the call is to radical discipleship. And uh, that means that we, the call is that we should be wholehearted and single-minded. And uh, I don't know about you, but as I've read these bits, um, you know, referring to people talking about bearing, let me go and say goodbye to my parents and let me go and bury my father and all that, it feels a bit harsh. Um, and it slightly takes me by surprise. Um, so let's just have a look at, at these things because yet again, Jesus reminds us of the call on our lives is to deny ourselves, take up our cross and to follow him. So here we go. We've got three guys who the first one says, I'll follow you. And uh, Jesus says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So what does that mean? Does it mean he's got, there is, he, he's got no home, no secure base, no security no sort of backup plan other than the Father. And I think that many of us have got very comfortable in our way of living. But, it's, you know, sometimes the call on our lives to radical dis discipleship might require us to literally lay down some of these things. It's interesting, isn't it, that when we think back to... Um, COVID, when we were not able to meet in our church buildings, some of us were really quite unsettled by that, um, particularly some of those, uh, those of us who've grown up in an Anglican um, background, where we've got quite comfortable and used to um, some of these things of coming into a church building. But Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the earth have, have, have Birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So what might it look like, actually, for there to be no church buildings? Are we willing to lay down our way of living? Second chap, actually, he says, uh, Jesus says to him, follow me. 
And, uh, and then I think Jesus is discerning what is going on with this guy um, because when he says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father, Jesus uh, says, let the dead bury their own dead. But, but I love the way that Jesus then, despite that, says, but go and proclaim uh, the kingdom of God. And so maybe I wonder whether for this chap, Either there was an excuse in there, or maybe he's saying, I, I will follow you, but not quite yet. And then the third chap uh, who says, I'll follow you, let me say farewell first to those at my home. Would you like, if you've got your Bible, would you turn with me into a story in the Old Testament, which I think that Jesus has in mind uh, when he hears the chap's reply, when he says, um, I'll follow you, let me first uh, say farewell to those at my home. Turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, and this is the story of the call of Elisha. So the Lord has spoken to Elijah, so it's 1 Kings 19, uh, verse 19, and uh, the Lord speaks to Elijah and says, Elisha's the man who is going to uh, be the prophet after you, and go and anoint him. And so here we go. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah went past him and then cast his cloak around him. And so Elisha left the oxen, and so I think that Elijah cast, chucked the um, cloak on him and then carried on walking. So Elisha left the oxen and turned and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother and then I will follow you. So do you hear? That's why Jesus has picked up uh, this story. And he said to him, uh, Elijah says, go back again. What have I done to you? I think, uh, so this is, this is my take on the story. This is what Washington, they've got used to me saying, this is a bit of philology. <laughs> uh, I've got this theory that Elijah, in that moment, when the chap says, let me go and uh, say goodbye to my mother and my father, uh, poor Elijah, who's got everybody after him, trying to kill him, and who just literally in the chapter four just said he wanted to die, I think poor Elijah got, an, got the absolute wobbles and uh, basically thought, oh my goodness, this bloke's going to go back and tell his mum and dad that I'm going to give up everything and follow you. Um, so panic. No, 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 no. Go back to your oxen and don't blame me. Nothing to do with me. But then Elisha, he did returned from following him, he took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of oxen and gave it to the people. Just think about that. He's obviously from a wealthy family. They had 12 yoke of oxen. And, um, and can you imagine telling mum and dad, by the way, I've just burnt the whole lot and sacrificed it and now I'm going to follow, follow this guy. 
And so then Elisha rose and went after Elijah and assisted him. So it, it is this talk about a radical call to, a, to um, discipleship. I don't know about you, but it feels like the Christian life is a constant wrestle between vision, 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 and then pragmatism. You've got to be practical. You know, some, I, sometimes, you know, some of you may have had a call on your life, and, um, and you, you do, you give up stuff. You give up your job, you, whatever it is. And I, maybe you've got your parents' voices ringing in your ear. You idiot, what are you doing? You know, what have I taught you? And you're saying, no, I'm following the call on my life, the call of Jesus on my life. And there are some of us here who are considering this right now about sacrificing it all, about leaving it all for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the call on their lives. Whether it's home, salary, pension, but this is for the sake of the kingdom. Just close your eyes for a minute. What does that look like? A call on your life to radical discipleship for the sake of the kingdom. Giving up your home, your salary, your pension. Do you have mum and dad's voice in your ear saying, what are you doing? Son of man had nowhere to lay his head. Radical discipleship is a call to obedience. And remember, at one point, we see later in Luke, Jesus says, and don't look back. Remember Lot's wife. I'm going to pass you over to Patrick. guys. So I am going to look at the second section. So we're looking now at chapter 10 uh, going forward. But just in case I forget to tell you the points, the important points that um, I want us to take away. The first is knowing him. Knowing him. Really knowing him. The second is proclamation and then demonstration. They're inseparable. They go together. So what we've got here is, um, actually in my translation it says 72 were sent out. And um, different translations, Charlie's waving, saying so have I. Different translations, some say 70, some say 72. Honestly, I don't think it matters. The, the point is, there's a multiplication, and they are helpers. They are carrying on the work, the commission that Jesus set before them. So if you remember back in the beginning of chapter 9, a few weeks back, when Jesus sends out the 12, he basically sends them out to proclaim the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, and then show people what it looks like. 
heal the sick, cast out demons, get people free, all that sort of stuff, get them whole. But here, with the 70 or 72, is actually the demonstration first, followed by the proclamation. So I think the point is, and we're very bad at this, he says, don't make a formula of it, okay? Whatever the Spirit's saying, do that. Sometimes it'll be healing the sick first, and then you'll be telling them about me. Sometimes you'll tell them about me, and then you'll show them that I'm a good God and I heal people. And we, Jesus talks about the harvest being massive. And we don't have to think too hard if we just think of our nation and think, okay, there is a big harvest and it is ripe, really ripe. But the harvesters are few. And we're called to this. A guy called John Wimber, um, who many of you I'm sure will know, but he was the founder of the Vineyard Ministries. But he wrote this in his Bible. And it, it was... Um, it was at a time when um, he was wrestling over the whole aspect of the miraculous because he'd been taught that uh, the miracles of God and of the disciples and of Jesus finished with them. So they, they just didn't happen in the church. And he was wrestling with this because that's not what he saw in the scriptures. And he suddenly, the penny kind of dropped, and he wrote this in the margin of his Bible. And he said, I must learn to believe everything Jesus believed and learn to do everything Jesus did. We won't go too far wrong if we follow that. And his goal in terms of the ministry that he was a part of was not really to make converts. The goal was, as Philly said, was to make disciples that's what Jesus modeled he made disciples and those disciples should be taught to proclaim the word and demonstrate the works of Jesus and thereby they would be building an army of effective soul winners so I just want to show a clip now it's about seven minutes long so I think we've got about that and I'll have a few things to say just at the end. It is not sustainable for me to do all the preaching, all the healing and ministering. I've called you to Simon's home today and thank you Eden for hosting because our ministry will only grow and we want it to grow till the end of the age. There will be many more followers, and like those not here, all will have roles and responsibilities. Most will be disciples, students. But I have chosen you 12 as my apostles. You're sending us? An apostle is the same as a messenger, one who... I know what it means, Matthew. That's why I'm asking. You are my leaders. And for this mission I have for you, it's best that you spread out and not be concentrated in one place. I... I don't understand. I'm going to go home to Nazareth for a time, and while I'm there, I'm sending you out in every direction, two by two, 
specifically to our people only. Every direction, Rabbi? Yes, but not to the Gentiles. Not yet. That will come in time. But to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Just as Joshua led the twelve tribes to take the promised land. You will proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while you are on this mission, you will heal the sick and the lame by anointing them with oil. You will cast out demons. You will clean. What? Why are you all looking at me like that? Uh, could, could you just repeat that one more time? I'm sending you out two by two, proclaiming as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cast out demons. Uh, how soon are we talking about here? There's that word again. I'll get to that, Simon. Hold on. Heal the sick? Cast out demons? While you are on this mission, I grant you this authority. Someday, you will have it all the time. Was that a ceremony I missed? This is it. Don't feel any different? I don't need you to feel anything to do great things. With all due respect, Rabbi, we've only just begun as students. We're not nearly qualified enough. Why would you need us for this work? He doesn't need us. He wants us. Thank you, Zeeb. Very good. John, if I needed religious leaders or qualified students for my ministry, I wouldn't have chosen... <laughs> well, you get the point. Can we get back to the part about healing the sick for one second? You will take nothing for your journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money. Not even Salome's food. Wear sandals and do not bring an extra tunic. We can't even bring a change of clothes? Even the wandering cynic philosophers carry a second tunic. Yes, they do. And I'd like to distinguish you from the cynics. They also carry beggar's bags for people to put gold and silver coins into. And you will not do that. You received without paying. Now give without pay. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart. And if anyone should not receive you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet as you leave that house or town. Do not waste your time. You said if anyone will not listen to our words. What words exactly? What are we supposed to teach? Anything you've ever heard from me. I've only ever heard the one sermon. You heard the best one anyway. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're <laughs> oh, so good. Uh -huh. That message was not just for the thousands that were there. It was for all who will hear it from now until the end of the age. How will they know it, you ask? Good question. Thanks for asking. You will tell them. And the places you will go are places I will soon go. 
So you are preparing the way for my arrival and helping ensure that more people are ready to hear the good news. The miracles you'll perform on God's authority will prove my ministry. Suppose we hit a bad streak and several towns in a row reject us, maybe for days. How are we to eat? What if it gets bad? Like, like it has with John. Listen carefully, all of you. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. So, you're saying we could die? There will come a time when this will become far more difficult. When persecution is an ever-present part of your ministry. When that time comes, you will follow in my footsteps and you will know what it actually means to give up your life. This journey will not come to that. So guys, do you resonate with some of that? The sort of the anxiety, the fear of doing the stuff, the demonstration, the proclamation, what it might cost. You know, Bonhoeffer talked about, you know, um, this gift of grace salvation being this gift of grace but he said discipleship will cost you your life the price is is everything it comes at a cost and also if anyone has ever engaged in this miraculous stuff and and speaking personally i don't think we have a choice it's part and parcel of the gospel it's part and parcel of the commission on all our lives every every believer this is what we're called to is tell people good news Show them there's hope, but then show them what it looks like. But anyone who's ever engaged in this will probably have experienced failure. I certainly have. A lot of it. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of Christians and churches, having had a go, give up. Because it's too uncomfortable. It's too painful. And it's far easier not to do it. But again, I don't think we have a choice. And um, I just want to read something here. It's, it's written by a guy called Randy Clark. And he's the sort of founder, I think, of Global Awakening. But this was back in the day when he was just learning about the miraculous. And he was learning from John. And John Wimber had invited him to shadow him. And this is what he said. During one such night of shadowing at a Methodist church, I observed that everyone he, that's John, everyone he prayed for was healed. I was amazed. The next night, everyone he prayed for was not healed. I was perplexed. He's been there. When I started to ask John why, he stopped me and said, let me tell you what your question is. 
He then told me correctly what I was about to ask and proceeded to give me his answer. He said, I had no more faith last night than I did tonight. I had no more sin in my life than I, last night than I do. Sorry. I have no more sin in my life tonight than I did last night. Both nights I prayed, come Holy Spirit, and blessed what God was doing. Last night everyone was healed. But I didn't go home thinking I was a great man of faith or a great man of God. Tonight no one is healed. And I'm not going to bed feeling like a great failure of God. Tomorrow I will get up and do it all over again. And guys, I think that's the point. And, and I've sort of labored a little bit on the miraculous, but just in case that we think that that is the goal, Jesus said this in Matthew 7. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. The goal is not the miracles. It's not the miraculous. The goal is knowing him. There's nothing greater than that. And if we know him, all these things flow from that place. And the way we get to know God and his nature is through Jesus, looking at him. Jesus said, I am the way to the Father. I'm the one that leads you to the Father. Look at me and you'll see what he's like. And I just think we have an opportunity this coming week, seven days, and the title for the week is Seeking God. This is a chance to really seek him and know him better personally. And I'm convinced that we'll come out the other side different to how we went in. And if we know him more deeply, more in love with him, the miraculous and the desire to tell people will just come and flow through us. Amen. Um, I tell you what, why don't we stand? I'm just going to pray a prayer. And we'll see where we go from there. This is kind of a prayer of consecration if you like Lord Jesus and just echo this in your heart or even out loud Lord Jesus I am your witness Lord Jesus I am your witness I receive your righteousness, receive your righteousness. and release my sinfulness I receive your wholeness and release my brokenness. I receive your fullness. And release my emptiness. I receive your peace. And release my anxiety. I receive your joy. And release my despair. I receive your healing and release my sickness. I 
receive your love and release my selfishness. Come, Holy Spirit, transform my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength, so that my consecration becomes your demonstration, and that my life may become your sanctuary. To the glory of God, our Father. So whilst we uh, remain before the Lord in this moment, why don't you just ask the Holy Spirit just to bring to mind anything that he may have uh, been speaking to you about this morning in terms of Firstly, in terms of this call to radical discipleship and what that might look like. Has there been perhaps a tendency to say, oh, um, yes, I'll follow you, but, but not yet. I just need to get this done or sort this out. Or... Perhaps even thinking about when, when Peter was walking on the water and suddenly looking down at the wind and the waves, looking at the circumstances perhaps of your life. So you, you're sensing a call on your life, but you're looking at your, the physical circumstances, the, the, the practical stuff, whatever it is. And just remembering the call to keep looking up. Keep looking up. Don't look down. Don't look down. Keep your eyes above. Set your minds on things above. God is your provider. God is the one who will provide. If something is taken away from you on the one hand, have a look and see what he's giving you in the other hand. And don't allow fear to cause you to sink. Keep your eyes up. For some of us, it really is a call to radical discipleship and the world will tell us we're mad. And now repent as well of allowing those voices. And as we honor our mothers and fathers, and yet... Sometimes those things we've grown up with and have got, got sort of used to, the voices in our head. Let's turn away from those now to follow him and his calling. And 
Patrick and I, our own experience, and we, we've, we've seen it time and time again, that when we trust the Lord with our finances and our stuff, and that includes houses, cars, whatever it is, pensions, insurance policies, all the things that are there, when we trust the Lord with our finances, then we see a life of miracles because it begins with trusting him as we step out of the boat and out of those comfort zones. So we yield ourselves again to your lordship and the calling on our lives for the sake of the kingdom Forgetting what is behind and straining, straining towards what is ahead. And it's just that encouragement to forget what is behind. The past is the past. Today's a new day. But one thing I just wanted to say is, if you make this decision to be all in, it won't go uncontested. Oh, I'm on now. It won't go uncontested. But it's that I was just thinking of um, Andrew and Kim. So many challenges. They, they faced lots of challenges over the last three years. But Andrew kind of reminded me, they both did, of Paul when he said, I've learned to be content in every situation. They always had a smile on their face. Doesn't matter what life throws at us. The goal is the goal. We have everything we need to thrive, even in the midst of challenge. And it's good news. So come, Holy Spirit, do the work only you can do in our hearts and in our minds. To your glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just show And just a bit, bit of direct homework um, that we can do. Uh, healing centres always looking for a team. A bunch of people have just joined uh, and are being trained up uh, to help heal the sick uh, through the ministry of the church here. Um, so that's one opportunity. The second is we're training people on ministry through our Sozo weekend coming up. Third bit of homework. Should we just have a week where we're not being safe and that means it may be a week of failure but a week where actually we take that opportunity to pray for that person after work or to share Jesus to be interrupted from our humdrum daily routine to be open to what God is doing and should we also just take the the challenge to radical discipleship and a life of the miraculous to be that army of soul winners that Wimber was praying for. Should we do that? Let's do it, shall we? So Lord, uh, would you embed 
all that you've challenged us about this morning, spoken to us, and apply it specifically to our individual lives with our responsibilities and um, demands upon us. Would you speak to us and give us that obedience to be radical in our following of you in the midst? And would you send us out? And Father, you know that (laughs) we're very, very empty vessels. But thank you that you love to pour treasure in. Thank you for that incredible clip of those guys just (laughs) not believing the mission Jesus had called us to. And we choose not to leave it as a Sunday idea, but to commit ourselves to practicing it Monday to Saturday. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you share God's peace with those around you for a moment or so? It's not simply a greeting. It's a sign of greeting a brother or a sister in Jesus' name, saved and redeemed because of his blood. The peace of the Lord be always with you.